Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe, Lewis Goldberg, and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Ann and Nick are speaking with Jason Ackerman, Chief Executive Officer and Executive Chairman at Terra Ascend, which trades under the stock symbol TER on the Canadian Securities Exchange and TRSSF on the OTC. Widely recognized as the first legal cannabis operator with business in Canada and the United States, Terra Ascend is active in medical and legal adult use markets across Canada and the United States, including New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Terra Ascend has built up a vertically integrated footprint on both the West and East Coasts through the acquisition of its subsidiaries, which include the Apothecarium, State Flower, as well as Alera Healthcare. Pennsylvania's premier medical cannabis cultivator, processor, and dispenser. TerraSend also holds a cultivation permit in the state of New Jersey and is pending approval for a vertically integrated medical cannabis operation with the ability to operate up to three alternative treatment centers. It was a pleasure to have Jason join us on the show to discuss his background as founder of Fresh Direct, consumer trends in the cannabis industry under the conditions of COVID-19, and the company's growth in the United States, particularly in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to the conversation. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. We've been um, really looking forward to talking with you guys uh, for a while now. So um, really happy to, that you are able to join us. Um, here we are the week before the election recording on um, October 30th. So uh, can you tell us where you're, you're joining us from? Yeah, I'm up in Woodstock, New York. Uh, the, first, nice. the first snow of the season just actually- I was gonna say, it's supposed to be snowing there today, right? It did, and what a shocker it was this morning to wake up to snow, it was awesome. Nice, nice. Um, well, I am in LA and it's supposed to hit 80 this weekend. So, you know, yay. <laughs> um, so let's just start. I, I'm, we're fascinated by your background, um, you know, as a founder of Fresh Direct. Can you tell us, um, you know, your experience during that time of, of pioneering an industry and then kind of go into why cannabis and, and how your background really has translated um, to TerraSend? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Fresh Direct, which I wrote the business plan all the way back in 1999 and opened it up in 2002. You know, there, there are surprising similarities between this industry and the and the food business. You know, so Fresh Direct, the idea was to completely disaggregate the supply chain and build a fresh orientated retail concept that eliminated stores, eliminated wholesale, did all the manufacturing and went directly to consumers to deliver a better experience. And so. We were working with literally 500 farms. We were specking how farms, were, uh, how stuff was grown. We were specking cattle. We were designing and, and really doing the entire supply chain. We had a million square foot warehouse where we were manufacturing our own brands. We had, uh, we had uh, um, about a thousand products that we made ourselves in our own manufacturing facilities and we sold directly to the consumers. So, you know, growing CPG brands, distribution, direct to consumer, 
retail. I mean, it was everything end to end, an incredibly complex business. And, you know, we built it up from scratch to, you know, 700 plus million dollars and 4,000 employees, you know, no acquisitions. And 10 of those years, you know, going head to head with Amazon. So you want to talk about, you know, competitive, you know, you're, you're, you're competing with, you know, your smallest competitor is many billions of dollars in size and you're competing with the world's best companies. So I'd say that, uh, you know, that's prepared me for pretty much anything. And can you expand on, um, you know, what, what brought you to cannabis? You know, you, how, how is that background, you know, really translated? Can you expand on that? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, it's a funny story, but I, I actually got interested in cannabis when I had retired from Fresh Direct after 20 or so years. And then uh, the governor of New York said, hey, we're going to legalize, uh, legalize cannabis. I said to myself, wow, my God, how, how hard was it to sell fish online? It's got to be so much easier. Everybody wants cannabis delivered. This is a no-brainer. So uh, I actually tricked myself that there's a real digital application to the space, and I got into it. And actually, what's interesting is, you know, you talk about for us, we're, we're completely vertically integrated. So the growing side of the house, the manufacturing, the branding, the scale, the distribution, the retail, the digital, it's all stuff that I just have done in my past. So while it's a different product to me, it's actually feels incredibly familiar. But also when I started online, you know, business, pretty much everyone said it, it was chaos. No one was doing it. It was early days in the industry. And so it was a big open space. And when I look at cannabis, it's kind of similar. I love going into a time where it's actually being created and built and defined, and it's a bit chaotic than it is, you know, well-established. So I love being in the mix when you have a chance to put your, your, your handprint on what the future looks like. And it's, it has all sorts of similar characteristics. Yeah. And, you know, we, we often talk about, you know, cannabis is just another product. You know, the, it, it needs all of the same things that that any CPG product, you know, would need. It needs a supply chain. It needs regulation. It needs, you know, so, so you know, it's not surprising that people of your caliber um, are, are translating your talents over to, to the cannabis space. Before we go too far, you know, down the road here, can you just tell our listeners, um, you know, the elevator pitch about TerraSend? Yeah, so TerraSend is a, uh, a Canadian and U.S. Uh, operator. We are very focused on going uh, very deep in a vertical way. So we're in several states on the East Coast, mostly in the limited license states, where we have an opportunity to have a meaningful market share in a vertical way from you know, growing manufacturing brands and distribution and retail in the states. Um, you know, we, we look at the United States and say that not every state is the same. Uh, the economics are very different, and so we're 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 choosing to play in certain spots where we think the cash flow and the return on investments uh, could be the largest. Um, and so we're we're in we're in Canada, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, stores in California, and we have a CBD business that distributes around the country. It, it's really interesting, you know, sticking on that the the target of the limited license states. Can you expand more on you know why you see that as the winning strategy in the long term, and then you know let us know if there's other states that that you're eyeing as potential fits. Yeah, you know everything I've seen is that you know the law the laws of economics apply. You know, supply and demand creates the market balance. I give you an example. You look at Canada. Canada issued a huge amount of growing licenses and the retail was really slow to build. So very quickly, there was literally eight times the amount of cannabis grown than there is demand in the marketplace because of the lack of retail stores. So what do you think happened to prices? Prices tank, they're giving stuff away. 
it's a, it really became a mess and because the dynamics, because of the license structure. So, and you can, you can see paths in, in Washington and Colorado and all these states that was unlimited states. You had these really, really tough markets to compete in because it was oversupplied and underbuilt out. In places that are limited licenses like New Jersey and Pennsylvania, the key places where there's a rational set of growing and a rational set of retail, you get a more uh, rational pricing structure, which allows you to make uh, enough uh, margin. And because of the vertical nature, you know, for example, our products are distributed in all 100% of every dispensary in the state of Pennsylvania. We can achieve a very large scale with our distribution because of the way the license structure works, but also operate what I call a balanced marketplace. And if you're in a balanced marketplace, you've got a much better shot of being able to be profitable. Let's say, can we talk about, I was, oh, was going to say, Sorry, I want to keep focusing on, on those East Coast operations because, you know, you mentioned you're, you're in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and, you know, we're recording this before the election in New Jersey. Um, but, you know, New Jersey is one of the few states that is actually considering uh, an adult legalization bill um, on November 3rd. So can you give us an idea of where TerraSend currently is at on the rollout of operations without, within New Jersey? Uh, yeah, and I'd say in New Jersey, we have a 120 plus thousand square foot facility that's, you know, growing and planted. We have the largest facility that's open in the state of New Jersey. Um, we're opening our first dispensary shortly, um, and we'll be able to supply the whole market. So, you know, we'll, we will be one of the largest players in the state um, in terms of capacity. Uh, and um, and that's, that's where we are. Um, we're pretty excited about the rec opportunity. The difference between Pennsylvania and New Jersey is that uh, New Jersey has less stores built out, so the market's smaller, but the demand is going to be there and it's going to accelerate with, uh, uh, with which we believe will, will pass uh, is, the, is the rec ballot. Um, and Pennsylvania has similar characteristics. It's a huge market. It's close to a billion dollars just under the medical. When that place goes rec, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be absolutely enormous. I'm well, I'm from New Jersey, uh, but I live in California and the apothecarium is very well known in the cannabis community. And for those who have not had uh, an opportunity to visit one of these dispensaries, um, I just I, I encourage you to do so. They are it's stunning. So can you talk a little bit about um, kind of the DNA of that brand um, and how it was and how it was built? Yes, yeah, sure. So the, the, the brand Apothecarium was actually built by, you know, Ryan Hudson and, and, and group and family going back 12 years ago, really at the heart of when the cannabis movement was, uh, was beginning, kind of what I call the, the, real, the real, you know, s- you know center point of, of the movement. And, and the, the concept that Ryan had was very much around a very simple principle. Cannabis needs to be a place that my grandmother is comfortable to take to. Some place that is is not around this local, you know, pot shop, but it's actually a living room. It makes you feel safe and inviting, kind of changing the image of the industry. And this was going back 10, 12 years ago, you know, and, and that's one. And two is, is that having incredibly well-trained and knowledgeable salespeople so that when they do talk to you, they really have the ability to help you find the right products. And so between the aesthetic, the warmth, the inviting, and the ability to really have great, great uh, trained staff, that was the ethos. And they really built quite a unique format uh, at the time and even today that it's just uh, still stands out. It's, it's a higher end format and the products are curated, but if you go there, you know you're getting, you're getting the best and you know you're gonna be treated the best. 
I want to stick on on talking about, you know, the the Terrasen team. I know you were talking about the apothecarium there, but, you know, from top to bottom, you guys have built a really well-respected, you know, team of executives. Um, you guys are working with, you know, groups like Canopy and JW Asset Management. You know, that's a really unique combination of like, you know, business capital markets with the, the personal touch on it. Can you tell us more about, you know, the philosophy in building out the Terrasen team? Yeah, you know, well, my philosophy, uh, having, you know, run my business for 20 years, and again, we kind of got up to a pretty good size. Um, you know, the, the one thing I learned is that talent is everything. And in this universe, it's very hard to create a competitive advantage that's anything but your talent. So, you know, I am incredibly focused on having absolutely top-notch talent. And by the way, a lot of that comes out of the industry because the industry itself isn't knee deep in a lot of the experiences that's actually common across all growing CPG and retailing. So I put a large percentage of my time focused on recruiting what I call oversized team members, people who are much bigger than the business today to grow it. And while you need your cannabis experience, we brought a lot of people from the outside uh, with experience. And so uh, we've really got a very, very solid team uh, top to bottom. It's a big focus of mine. And then on top of that, you know, having, JW Asset as a critical partner on this, um, you know, you've got the financing, he's got a hundred and plus million dollars of, of fund capital inside the business. So the money's, you know, is right there side by side. And he's also one of the largest investors in the cannabis space. So as you can imagine from a deal flow and from an opportunity, we've got a unique, a unique way to leverage that experience and that deal flow to make sure that we're really getting an outsized opportunity to see everything, to, to pick our spots to play. I would be remiss if we, if we didn't talk about a little bit more about the election uh, coming up. And I mean, this will air after, after the election. Um, but how, you know, we did a, a, a conference yesterday with Benzinga and we asked a lot of executives, you know, how much does your business change on November 4th or November 9th or whenever the heck we have the actual um, results? You know, how how impactful, you know, will a Trump administration be for the next four years if he's reelected or a Biden-Harris administration? Um, you know, how much does that change your business, if at all? Well, look, I, I, I think there's perception and I think people will be more optimistic under a Democratic uh, controlled you know, House and, and so forth than they would be under the Republicans. So I think there'll be more enthusiasm. But in reality, you know, there's only a few things that 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 matter uh, to us and, and the industry. One is getting is descheduling to get rid of 280E, which is a, a, a undue tax to the industry. There's a lot of ways for that to happen for states, acts, and others. So that's critical. We're really looking for that. Um, two is um, uh, is being able to uh, have banks. You know, if you look at the credit of this industry, the general companies like ourselves and Cureleaf and others, you know, they're paying two to three times the cost of capital for the credit than they would be because of the risk. And so, if we get a safe banking act or we get those other factors and we actually have a rational cost of capital, you know, that's massive for our ability to, to continue to make, uh, our, you know, to grow. So that's critical. And then the, then the third thing for me is being able to list on the New York Stock Exchange. 
you know, and, you know, I don't even know if we need federal permissibility for that to occur, but th there's still a limited number of investors who can play. So there's such a small access to capital relative to the opportunity that if we just open the doors for that, I think it's also going to be a huge accelerant. So I don't even need federal legalization for any of those things to happen to really have a massive impact on the future. And I think we got a better shots with the Dems to do that than we do on the Republicans. I think, you know, regardless of who ends up winning the presidential election, um, New Jersey could really kind of serve as a, a, a tipping point here. Do you think like if New Jersey, let's because all signs are pointing that they're going to they're going to vote to legalize cannabis. If they vote for it, we're probably going to see Pennsylvania, New York and the rest of the East Coast probably quickly follow suit. Do you think that could serve as the tipping point? Yeah, for sure. No, it's for sure. Like I, I spent my life in the political system in New York, having a business based in the Bronx, New York. And, and, uh, and I spent a lot of time lobbying in New York with the cannabis bill itself. And, you know, th there's no doubt that, that New York is very concerned about people crossing over to New Jersey and given with COVID, there's a lot of tax implication here. So, uh, what I'd say though about, you know, New York is New York is one of the few States that doesn't really have ballot initiatives and you can almost, you can't name a state, but one that passed through legislation. So, you know, I still think that despite New York's desire, there's a lot of political will that's got to go on for New York to turn, you know, uh, for that to happen. But New Jersey will be a tipping point. There's no doubt Pennsylvania would want to go. I'll be curious to see where Connecticut goes. They'll be surrounded. So yeah, I think it puts pressure. And can you talk more about what you guys are doing in Pennsylvania? Um, we know that you guys work with Alera Healthcare, and we had um, one of their executives on the show, I think, like over a year ago. But can you talk about um, the relationship with Alera um, and expand on that for our audience more? Uh, yeah, sure. So we, Terrasen purchased Alera over a year ago when they were kind of, uh, you know, probably a year into running their business. Uh, since we bought them, they've gone from, you know, 30,000 square to 140,000 square feet. The, the business is, you know, more than 3x the, the size. So Alera, uh, uh, which is really Terrasen now, uh, that team has become our East Coast uh, management group where uh, it's rolled it, where New Jersey is rolled into that operating system. So the entire East Coast, that's our division that is running it. So all of our formulations, our brands, our strategy, our management team is running that same. So all of our brands will be in New Jersey and Pennsylvania is the same under the, the new brand formats that we have. Um, and, and the business is, uh, it's, it's on fire. Um, you know, some, some great stats, like I, I like to say, is we're, we're in every single dispensary in the state itself. That's not an easy feat. I'm not sure anyone else can say that. I think we've got 22% market share uh, because it's a really, really operating focused business and a very, very brand focused business. And they've had some great success uh, doing that. Um, so that's what, that's what they're up to. We continue to expand. Uh, and also the market, you know, it's close to a billion dollar retail market and it continues to grow. It's a great state to operate under. Do you think that 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 story is being told enough? I mean, one of the questions that we always ask, you know, towards towards the end of the interview, but I'm going to just ask it here, um, you know, is what's the story that everyone's missing on the cannabis industry? Um, and and so there are times that it feels like the the East Coast states get a little bit forgotten about um, in favor of the, you know, the, the big the the Colorados and the Californias and the, the Oregons of the world. Um, are, do you think that, um, that that's an, un, that that's a, one of the best 
kept secrets. I guess it's not a secret, but you know, what are you seeing that that isn't being told with regard to these markets, these these East Coast markets? Well, look, I think that um, you know people don't really see the medical market as as sexy and exciting. So they, I don't think people really understand the strength of what you can do under medical versus recreational. I think there's a misconception there. And as you know that, you know, East Coast is more more med, West Coast is more rec. So you don't get the same play. And at a customer level, you can't just walk into a store. So there's just not that same feeling of adaption that exists. And so I think that overlays the conversation. And I think that other people don't understand is, you know, California is a huge marketplace, but it's it's an unlimited state. It's very tough to compete there. And the amount of money you make in the East Coast just is so much more significant than the West Coast and then in Colorado because of the nature of it. Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, but I, if you look at the chatter though, the analysts are picking it up. And I think the understanding of these being some of the best states in the country is actually starting to come through. I mean, people are getting it um, for sure. At least in, in, the, in the year that I've been telling the story, it's definitely amplified. Um, you know, just like Florida is a great state. I mean, it continues to grow. It's now getting close to a billion dollars. It's not even wreck yet. So there are some definite great places to play. Um, and, and again, you, and I'd say you look at our, at our margins, we're kind of at the, the top two or three companies in the public space in our EBITDA margins now. And, and we're all East, mostly all East coast. So I think, I think people are getting, getting the cue here. I want to I want to ask because this is one of my favorite questions. Ask uh, the the executives that we have come on come on here, but I'm going to ask it in kind of a, a two pronged way. First, I want to know, you know, what as we get ready to enter 2021, hopefully, you know, coronavirus is going to start getting handled here soon, and you know, we can start getting back to our normal lives. But, you know, what excites you the most as we get ready to enter 2021 for both um, Terra Ascend and then just for the cannabis industry in general? Well, look, we, we, we're coming online uh, in New Jersey. Uh, we have huge expansion opportunities in Pennsylvania. You know, I, I think that we've got so much runway in those states and we're having a ton of fun playing there. You know, that that's just this hugely energized. We're really excited to have our, our first, you know, shipment coming out, you know, momentarily in the state. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're working very hard on other states right now. And I just see that there's... There, there's, there's, we're making so much money in Pennsylvania and about to New Jersey that the, the, the business structure in those areas are just uh, really, really appetizing, exciting. And I look at our business plan, it's, you know, it's, these are real substantial sized businesses. And I think for this coming 21, I think what you're going to find is that people are going to continue to recognize that there's real profits being made in this industry with some real people with scale and that's going to show up more and more throughout the course of 21. Um, and I think that's going to get a lot of attention because originally, you know, Canada, which really struggled, got initial hype and it all crashed because Canada was a mess. And now people are seeing that the United States is actually building very big profitable businesses. And that that's really going to continue to grab people's attention and get more people into the space. You know, we've talked a lot about the U.S. and and you mentioned Canada, um, but you know, the international market, regardless of what's happening in our election world and our our regulations, is is marching forward. Um, can you talk about a little bit of the work you guys are doing in Europe and where you see the most growth? Um, you know, not limited to Europe, but you know, globally. Yeah, you know, we're actually a little bit less optimistic on Europe. You know, our experience and working in those areas. 
you know, ve- you know, very heavily controlled the state distribution in certain ways. So, you know, we actually think that Europe's got a, a longer regulatory march than the United States does. You know, it's like competing in France as a business is just so much harder than anywhere else on the planet. And I, I just find that while, you know, they will operate medically and they'll continue to move the needle. We're, I'm not, I don't actually have a huge optimism of, of how long it'll take for Europe to build into, into that big of a business. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on that. Uh, and just like in Canada, I think Canada's going to take a long time for it to sort itself out as well. So uh, I'm, I'm just a big believer that U.S. is the place to play. Interesting. Interesting. And, and, and are you... Yeah, I didn't know that about France. Well, sorry, just to go back. What, what makes France so difficult? Oh, now let's just start a whole other interview. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Wait, let me get some tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the policies and, the, and the, the labor policies and the business stuff, I mean, the ability to make profits in general French businesses, the rules and regulations are so challenging. Uh, they put enormous amount of pressure on that, that it's, it's just, a, it's a very tough place to operate um, as a, it, not talking about cannabis, but as a whole in, in, in countries like France, it's just very challenging. And then uh, just, you know, sticking on the, on the global market, have you, have you guys explored anything in Latin America, Australia, New Zealand, anything like that? I know New Zealand's looking like right now they're going to vote down the, uh, um, the push to legalize there, but have you guys uh, explored any opportunities in those areas? No, we're not. We're not. We're, we're, we're staying very, very focused. And I'd say, look, it, our strategy is a very simple one, is that we want to invest large dollars into places we can make outsized returns in a very concentrated way with a high probability of success with, with the groundwork with our local management team. So we're, we're a company that's going to stay more limited where we go but to try to be the number one player in the places we do go. So that, that will kind of keep us more concentrated, but deeper as an overall strategy. You know, our, our listener base is very heavily investor focused. So, you know, you kind of have an open mic to, to a bunch of investors. If you, if you could tell them, you know, one last thing, um, you know, to make them feel good (laughs) or, or just, you know, one last selling point, you know, about TerraSend, what would that be? Yeah. Well, look, I, or it can be two or three. We got time. No, no, look, I, I'd say that, you know, companies are, are 99% about people and management. And, uh, you know, I, I've been 20 years long fighting in one of the toughest spaces in the planet. And I got to tell you, you know, everything that this business is about is about not being the biggest and being the most states. It's our goal is to be the most profitable company in the space. And so we are as shareholders and people who are focused in the marketplace, you know, you know, the one thing that's about this company, this company is very, very focused on making cash flow. Revenues are irrelevant. Cash flow is what matters. And if that matters to investors, this is the company to focus on. Jason Ackerman, thank you so much. We uh, really enjoyed this conversation and we'd love to get you on the books um, sometime, you know, in the next six months or so, just to see kind of where you guys are um, and what's exciting for you. Great. Happy to talk. And uh, it was a pleasure. Special thanks to Jason Ackerman, Executive Chairman and CEO at TerraSend. Uh, Check him out under the stock symbol TER on the CSE and TRSSF on the OTC. They can also be found on their website, terrasend.com, and that's spelled T-E-R-R-A-S-C-E-N-D. 
As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, please find us on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or send us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush and give us a review in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay. One take.